Hello and welcome to the Wellness Trinity Podcast, where we interview top holistic experts and bring you natural solutions for modern day wellness. Let's get started with your host, Dr. Jacqueline. Hi, welcome. Thank you for joining the Wellness Trinity Podcast. I'm Dr. Jacqueline, owner of the Wellness Trinity, thewellnesstrinity.com, where we provide natural solutions for modern day wellness. So just an announcement before we get started, my free super immunity boost juice guide is now available at thewellnesstrainee.com and you'll learn how to grow your own microgreens, the broccoli ones, and my personal juice recipes and how to supercharge your juice with supplements that can boost your immune system. So today I'm here with Wendy Myers from myersdetox.com who I have been following for several years now. She is a wonderful expert in heavy metal detoxification and i have learned a whole lot from her and i suggest that you guys look at her content follow her podcast and see what is going on with her website if you really want to get to the root of some of your issues so we are doing a a special broadcast today on the coronavirus and she has put together a coronavirus preparedness checklist so wendy myers welcome to the show thank you so much for having me So let's jump right in. And why do you think the fatality numbers are about 10 times more than what we're being told? Yeah. So, you know, I've been researching this coronavirus, uh, the COVID-19 for for many weeks, and it it caught my eye and uh, has just grown exponentially. And I just couldn't look away. And I've been talking to every researcher. I've talked to viral researchers that looked at, that have worked at BSL-4, level labs, like, you know, people that are researching bioweapons and know everything about viruses and every viral outbreak. I've been, uh, you know, reading interviews with, um, you know, disease researcher, uh, epidemiologists, and just really want to get the facts just for my own concern. And so I, so what I've discovered in that research is that the numbers that are being reported in the national media just could not possibly be anywhere close to accurate. And I'm not saying that the the Chinese government could very well be withholding information, but you know what? And but I also think in the U.S. the World Health Organization is also withholding information. Um, but but the but the the issue really largely is that. Because we don't know, we don't know what's going on in China, we don't know how many deaths occurred before they discovered there was a coronavirus, we don't know um, how many people are going home to die that are not being accounted for in these statistics. The Chinese government continues to change the diagnosis criteria, and so that's muddling the numbers um, and so there's just a lot of different variables that are contributing to, uh, there's no way that the, the numbers reported can be accurate. And it's, it's much worse than, but I, that I think many people realize. And I'm concerned the mainstream media is doing an injustice to the, the public by not reporting what's going on, what the number of cases that are actually occurring in the United States. I think, I think what's being a, reported in the U.S. is just the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot more more cases that the government's aware of or not aware of 
that are happening right now. And my goal with talking about this is to get people geared up and start to get prepared in the event that this becomes a larger outbreak and that you're prepared because the people in, there's so many people in China, I was just reading some social media texts last night that people can't get food now. Mm. They were not prepared. They never thought in a million years that they would be on a government mandated quarantine, mm. not being able to leave their homes. They, they never thought that. And just like here, we, we don't think that that's going to be able to happen, but it can. Right. If this gets bad enough, the government or the people are going to demand that to happen. So there's just, um, so what I want to talk about today is what's really going on behind what the media says and how to get prepared, how to prep your immune system, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that you're talking about that. And that's what we've been talking about, me and my husband with the Wellness Trinities. We really have to supercharge our immune system if we're going to be able to deal with something like this. So why do you think novel viruses are, are spreading faster than the regular flu? Well, this has been established by many, many different researchers and you know, people around the world that the COVID-19 is a genetically altered virus. This is not something that could have possibly occurred with just the natural selection that could have happened in a lab. There's a number of ways that Research will, researchers will manipulate uh, viruses or bacteria to naturally select for different characteristics. But this, this one, it, there's no way it was naturally selected for. So what these researchers are finding is that the COVID-19 virus has been genetically altered. There's been genes spliced into it, some for, from HIV, which what they think helps this virus enter the cells much more effectively and it helps, uh, helps it remain undetected from the immune system for a long period of time where people are asymptomatic for up to three to 14, even a very small subset of people, 24 days. And so it, it's able to hide from the immune system, suppress the immune system and get into the cell much more effectively, mm. uh, essentially making it something like a bioweapon. I don't want to, I don't know if it was intentionally released or not. I do believe that it was accidentally escaped or escaped for whatever reason from the, the bioweapons lab. It's a VSL-3 lab, I, I think, um, in Yuan and uh, where they do bioweapons research and vaccine testing. This lab was built and uh, built, established and built by the World Health Organization. And so they know exactly what's going on with this. Um, so I don't know if it was intentionally or most likely it was accidentally released. I've talked to, you know, viral researchers that work in these high level labs. One researcher that worked with Ebola and is an expert on RNA viruses. That's what Ebola is. That's what the coronavirus, COVID-19 virus is. And she said that if you work in one of these labs, you're going to get it and it's going to get out. It's just a matter of time. They can't control these things. You know, and they also inject the, the viruses into monkeys to see what happens or develop vaccines. And the monkeys scratch people or they get out. Um, it just, things happen and mm -hmm. this stuff gets out. And unfortunately, because there's 13,000 scientists that work for the U.S. government developing bioweapons, um, eventually these things are going to get out. And I, I really believe that most of the major outbreaks we have are uh, 
viruses or pathogens that escape from these bioweapons type labs. Mm. Um, that's just based on everything I've researched. My opinion, it, it, the reality could be much different, um, but I think that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that sounds about right. I, you know, we use herbs and things like that, and a virus doesn't normally sound intimidating, but when you think about it like that, and that it could be a bioweapon, it seems like it takes it to a whole other level on how we would approach it, holistically at least. So how does smoking affect the coronavirus? Like, how does it make people more susceptible? Well, the, the coronavirus attacks the lungs. So it attacks an enzyme. It's called ACE2 that helps the, the alveoli in the lungs to, to function. And so uh, smokers, um, they're going to have much higher levels of ACE2 because of the smoking. And so they're going to be much more susceptible to severe complications and fatality from the coronavirus. And so and the, one of the reasons why in China, they're having so many issues with uh, high fatality rates is there the really high, high prevalence of Chinese men that smoke. Shockingly, it's estimated that Chinese men have a prevalence of smoking between 48 to 66% of men smoke there, uh, depending on what, what study you read. So they're going to have a much higher fatality rate than say another country where there's a far less prevalence of smoking. And the women in China, it's between 1.9 to 3.2% women smoke. And then also Asian men have, there's a, a genetic mutation where they're gonna have much more of ACE2 expressing and uh, increased production of it. And I think that's also lending itself to a higher number of Asian men maybe dying uh, mm-hmm. from coronavirus where that wouldn't happen uh, so much in the population um, in other countries. Okay. So be, because it's more of the men that are smoking, that's why you think more men are, are getting this, right? Um, I don't know. It, it, from Based on the, the recent studies that have come out, they're not seeing a huge discrepancy between men and women that are contracting the virus or really much. I mean, there's more men are getting it than women, but not a huge statistical difference. But I don't know, I don't remember the death rates exactly if it's more men or women. But we are seeing uh, in, in Yuan and, you know, in the Hubei province where it's, the outbreak originated, that there's seven times higher death rate there than the other parts of China. So that's not surprising because it started there, it's been going on longer there, and it takes about three weeks from getting the virus to uh, people suffering a fatality from it, so there's just, it just had longer time to incubate there. Mm. And so in that way, we may very well see, you know, higher death rates in other countries around the world as the virus has time to incubate and then to peak. Okay. So it just, it just, time remains to be seen if in fact the death rate is the same in China as it is in the rest of the world. Mm, okay. Okay. Well, can you explain what EMFs are and how those affect the coronavirus? Yes. Well, EMFs are electromagnetic fields. They're frequencies emitted by wireless internet, your cell phone, your computer, dirty electricity in your walls and in uh, Bluetooth appliances and in your cars. If you have a Tesla, especially, um, these are all things that are, you know, acting upon our bodies. They're irritating frequencies to our bodies and to 
viral infections. Mm -hmm. And so what they do, and this is proven in research, that what these uh, frequencies do is they irritate and they cause the increased replication and mutation of viruses, parasites, candida, and other pathogens, mold as well. So it's not just viruses. And so in Yuan, there are 10,000 5G towers. And yeah. so, and I personally believe, in, in the United States, I, there's about between 30 to 50 cities that have 5G, more are rolling out. But I, I believe that's one denominator that is contributing to the high rate of transmission um, and perhaps, you know, mutation or increased fatalities uh, from this virus. Okay. So since you're the heavy metal detox expert, how do you think heavy metals have to play a role in people's immunity and how it relates to viruses? Yes, well, heavy metals do impact immune system functioning. So you can see in the research that lead, mercury, arsenic, and cadmium impact or negatively impact the immune system. They slow the microphages from engulfing pathogens. Um, they impede production of natural killer T cells. They just impact uh, and interfere in many aspects of immune system functioning. They also can reduce uh, no energy production from the body's mitochondria, and the, the immune system requires energy to function. The less energy, the less, the less sleep you have, the less uh, impact your immune system can have in fighting pathogens. A reduction of sleep is also you know, shown in research to reduce the body's ability to defend against pathogens. And that's actually the number one thing you can do to prepare yourself is sleep. Mm-hmm. Get, get as much sleep as you can um, so that you can, you know, even if you've been sleep deprived, you can restore your immune system functioning by getting adequate levels of sleep. And, uh, but yeah, definitely the metals um, impact the immune system in a lot of different ways. So detox is you know, an important part of, uh, you know, anyone's health regime or anyone that has immune system malfunctions or, or over excitation, over reaction of the immune system, um, metals and chemicals play a big role in contributing to that. Mm-hmm. And when people have too much um, heavy metals, they become more a magnet to these EMFs as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if we have studies to show that, but that, that is the opinion of Dr. Dietrich Klinghart, Dr. Joe Mercola and other people. They, you can become kind of like a magnet because mm-hmm. um, it, it's just how lightning is attracted to an antenna. You know, electricity can be attracted to, to metals. And, uh, and so it's the same way you can become kind of like an antenna or a lightning rod for more EMFs to be attracted to you. So do you think that the people in Wuhan have more heavy metal toxicity? Um, I don't know. I mean, everyone's different in their ability to detox metals. So that's everyone's a little bit different in that regard. But we know that in, even in Yuan itself, they have had unprecedented protests against the, the air pollution and the lack of regulation and oversight by the government to regulate some of these con- companies that are, I mean, just, just you know, producing horrible pollution and with no scrubbers on the, the towers and companies illegally dumping, dumping things, uh, you know, to no, with no, um, you know, no recourse or no consequences. And so in China, we know, especially Beijing, 
horrible, horrible, horrible air pollution. And in some places, it's equivalent to smoking a pack a day. So I think that the air pollution issues there mm. also can contribute to compromised lung function and then susceptibility to this virus. So it's definitely mm. something contributing to the, the spread, the severity, and the fatality rate of coronavirus there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in your video, you talk about clearing the terrain And that's something that's big with us, too, because um, I haven't been doing it lately, but we used to do uh, live blood cell analysis Mm. in our practice here. And I wanted to show you some pictures because you were talking about the cellular membrane. Let me see if I could share the screen here. Uh, Let's see. Okay, can you see this? Yes. So this is one of my clients, and she was diagnosed with cancer at some point, and I did this before that. So her blood, these aren't even circles anymore. There's tons of oxidative stress, and these, can you see the pointer on my mouse? Yes, I can. Okay, so on this cell right here, it has little bites out of it. I don't know if you've ever done a live blood cell analysis, but um, the little bites are a sign of viruses. So we go down, there's some other ones I wanted to show you. Actually, it gets more here. So we see all these different bites here. So, I mean, you're spot on that the cellular membrane is huge. If people don't have a strong cellular membrane and their terrain is dirty like this, um, the terrain meaning the environment and the body, then people are going to be able to be more, they're not They're going to be more susceptible to illness. So even in the plasma, I'm sure there's some things that we can probably point out here. Uh, I guess it's kind of hard in some of these pictures to see. Uh, those are smaller. Um, let's see, these ones are rouleaued. So there's a lack of oxygen in those, in these here. They're all stuck together. Yeah, and, or if they're dehydrated, they don't have enough water. They get stuck together, so their blood yes. is not flowing correctly. Um, um, these ones here with all the bumps, their colon is all messed up. Mm. And, and then it, here's another one with a lot of viruses. So do you want to expand on that whole uh, terrain and how the cellular membranes make a difference on, on the viruses? Yes. Yeah. I love that you showed this live blood cell analysis. It's really kind of illuminating. Yeah. Because it's, you know, that, how do RNA viruses work? How does the coronavirus work? You have your cell membrane. It goes in, it tries to attach onto your cell membrane and tries to penetrate in that and hijack your DNA to make more replications of itself. And the cell explodes and then it goes, the cycle repeats itself and that's how it replicates in your body. And so you wanna do everything you can to create this kind of, this fortress of your cells. And you can do that um, by eating animal proteins, eating you know cholesterol foods, uh, food, healthy fats, uh, cooking in, in healthy fats, you know, eating pastured eggs that have choline in them, by um, you know, uh, you know, things that have phosphatidylcholine naturally in them. You can take phosphatidylcholine supplements. Um, you can take, you know, cod liver oils and eat sardines and and uh, you know, wild caught fish, all those kinds of things will help to kind of shore up your cell membranes. People that are vegan, you're going to be at a major, major disadvantage because you know, especially the longer you've been vegan, 
the, the less uh, healthy fats you have, the more susceptible your blood-brain barrier and your cell membranes are going to be because eventually you just you run out of the, the fat stores that you need that are found in animal products, not to mention a lot of the fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K, that are really important uh, for immunity as well. So, um, but, you know, vegetarians can kind of die. They can kind of eat around that. They can still eat pastured eggs and raw organic grass-fed milk and get, to lot, get lots of healthy animal fats to really shore up those membranes. Mm -hmm. So how come you don't think that they can do it through nuts and other sources of plant-based oils and things of that sort? Um, well, because it's just, it's, um, it's not the same type of fats. You're not mm -hmm. getting certain types of, of saturated fats. You need, uh, there's different types of saturated fats. Some are only found in the animal kingdom. So like palmitic acid and, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're also, it, it's hard to explain, but you're just, you're not getting all the fats you need or all the nutrient profiles you need. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different types of fat. It's not just like healthy fat. Uh, you need uh, all those, the fat soluble vitamins that are also found in animal fats mm -hmm. are not found in the fats in the plant kingdom. Okay, so that makes just, sense. It's just about being well-rounded, having a, you know, a, a well-rounded diet. You don't need that much animal protein, but you do need a little bit on occasion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you from experience. I know you saw my um, interview with Brian Clement and Anna Maria Clement from Hippocrates. And um, I studied there and I was a vegan for a couple of years and I started eating eggs and meat after a few years and I actually felt better. <laughs> yeah, I felt a lot better. <laughs> I snapped and I had some bacon one day. I was, I was vegetarian by 18 months and vegan for six. And I was, I was so brain fogged that I just could not, I couldn't even function. And I went to the doctor, what's wrong with me? What's going on? And um, and then I, I couldn't even remember what she said, like what to do, what supplements to take. And, um, and then I, I just, one day I just started eating meat. My body was just really crying out for it. And I just solved all those problems real quick. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's just a warning sign for me that it's, it's not, some people can deal with the deficiencies of the diet, uh, more than others. Um, but some people can, I've known vegans that are, you know, I've been doing it for 25 years and they're fine, but I think that's not most people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. Um, a little bit like people, the problem is I think people are eating way too much and then they're eating the ones with toxins and hormones and yeah. all kinds of stuff that doesn't belong in them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or they're, you know, barbecued beef that's been cooked for 18 hours. Or right. Or like now that. it's carcinogenic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so someone had asked in your interview about how, uh, about the acidity of it. And yes. I would love for you to expand more on how it affects your body's alkalinity and acidity. Yeah. So I talk about in my article, uh, coronavirus, how worried should we be? And I talk about alkalinity and how you want to alkalize your body as much as possible. So there's a few strategies to do that. And one of them is just to eat, you know, lots of vegetables. And, but also you can eat, you know, people generally look at, they have this kind of linear view like, oh, animal protein's acidic, so that must be bad. And vegetables are alkaline, so that must all be good. But the, the reality is you have a buffer system in your body so that if you eat too much acidic food, your body will work to try to, to turn that into something alkaline if it needs it. It has this whole buffer protection backup system in place. So as long as you're not eating too much animal protein, this acidic food is not problematic. Oranges are acidic, but they don't end up acidifying your body. 
-hmm. Lemons are acidic. They don't end up acidifying your body. It doesn't, it's not that simple. It doesn't, nothing is that simple when it comes to diet and nutrition. So you need a little bit. Some need more than others. Some need less than others. But, you know, I eat about, you know, maybe one meal a day. I have some animal protein. And I don't really need much than that. I listen to my body when it's starting craving something, when I'm craving eggs, I eat an egg. When I'm craving a steak, which is only a couple times a month, I eat, or maybe less, I'll eat a little bit of steak. But, you know, you really your body will tell you what it is that you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you detox and deal with the infections and, and the uh, other toxicities, then it, it's so much easier to be in tune with what our body really needs as well, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what are the real concerns about this coronavirus and why are you stocking up for three to six months? I mean, we are too, but I want to know what your opinion is. Well, my concern with the coronavirus isn't the coronavirus itself. Um, I'm not that concerned about it. I mean, we ultimately don't know how many people have it in China. I mean, I, I guesstimate it's at to date, which is February 20th, 2020, that we have 750,000 cases of coronavirus, most likely, and that we also uh, probably have 21,000 deaths from it. And that's what educated uh, disease outbreak researchers that have advanced statistical models that are disease epidemiologists from Harvard, from, uh, from London School of Medicine, from like all these different people saying similar things that it's roughly 10 times higher than is what, what is being reported in the media and by the Chinese government that's just being parroted by the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that doesn't concern me as much. Um, the, the thing with the, the death rate from the flu is about 0.1%. So that, that's fairly low. I even think that is overblown yeah, I think the, that's, there's not as many deaths from the flu as are being reported, in my hmm. opinion. I won't get into that. Um, but um, I think people die of the flu vaccine, and then they're, they're chalked up as being die, dying from the flu hmm. when that's not accurate. Um, but that's another conversation. And so uh, with the, the coronavirus, they're estimating that it's about two, maybe 2.3, maybe 2.6% fatality rate. The concern with it is because it's so much more contagious than the flu, a lot more people are gonna get it and a lot more people are going to die from it. But it's still just, it's a little bit worse, it's you know marginally worse than the flu. But the Spanish flu of 1918 had a 2% fatality rate and millions of people died. Granted, we have much more advanced technology now, but we are limited, just like in China, by the number of hospital beds that we have. So even though healthy people get it and seem to be recovering and maybe have a mild case of it, or if they do get sick, they recover, um, you know, just like the flu, you know, older people tend to be dying from it more so than, you know, much more so, and they have health complications, much more so than, than healthy people. Uh, younger, healthy people. But the concern is if you do get it and you do happen to have complications from it, there's only so many hospital beds. There's only so, there's only 100,000 ICU beds in the United States. And so what's happening in Yuan is in, in China is that the system is so overwhelmed, it just can't handle 
this many cases of people. That's why the, the hospitals are cram-packed. There's, uh, you know, there's lines outside, around the corner outside the hospital. People are getting IV bags outside in the halls, in their cars. There aren't enough test kits to go around. It's reported that only 10% of the coronavirus test kits have been made available to hospitals. People can't get treatment there unless they get tested first. Uh, it's, just, it's just chaos. Mm-hmm. And so if this virus starts to spread here, it might be better, but we're still going to have the same scenario where people are going to the hospital that might think they have the, the, might have just a regular flu, but they're terrified they have a coronavirus and they go to a hospital and they get it from somebody there. Mm-hmm. You know, or the hospital is completely overwhelmed with the regular flu and the coronavirus and the hospital just is, is doesn't have the resources or the staff or the beds or the ICUs that whereby they could otherwise save those people. You know, so that's my concern is lack of resources. My other concern is public panic. When this does start to spread, and I believe that it will, I, the cat's out of the bag. I don't think there's anything that can stop it. Um, you know, uh, that's just my personal opinion. I hope that I'm wrong. But based, this is what all the experts are saying. This is what the director of the World Health Organization is saying. This is what the head of the CDC is saying. This is what disease epidemiologists are saying from Harvard and London um, and you know, the London School of Medicine. They're saying that it's going to go global worldwide mm. and that they don't see how that is not going to happen. So my concern is when there's more and more of a when they, the government can't contain in the U.S. The, the, the news that more and more people, are, that this disease is spreading, that there's going to be public panic, people are going, there's going to be food shortages, people are going to be stockpiling different products, um, uh, people are going to stop going to work, businesses are, after a few months, are going to buckle under the strain of that. I'm concerned our economy may shrink, we may go into recession. Um, are the U.S. companies are already starting to report massive losses because all of China shut down. That's a huge growth area for, for many companies in the U.S. Uh, so I'm, I'm just very concerned about a recession and concerned about medical martial law, whereby if you have a fever, you're going to the airport and you have a fever, that you, they can, by law, detain you, medically examine you, give you uh, compassionate care uh, medications, they can give you vaccines, they can quarantine you, they can isolate you if you are deemed a public uh, health threat. Mm. And so that's, that's and, and my concern is also that this virus may um, be promoting the vaccine agenda where, uh, you know, the government or big pharma is wanting to do mandatory vaccines for man, woman, and child. I'm very concerned that once this outbreak kind of happens and that people are going to be lined up out the door, there will be no contest to mandatory vaccinations to prevent some kind of future threat like this, or they'll be lined up for a coronavirus vaccine that may be mandated uh, because of the, the public health concern. So that's really my, my bigger concern is a, a government telling me what I can and can't inject in me. 
Mm-hmm. And, and that is, has zero safety studies whatsoever. Um, so to me, that's what concerns me. I, I'm not concerned about getting the coronavirus. I'm, I'm doing everything I can for my immune system. And I, I think I'll be fine. Children seem to be, um, you know, not affected as much. There have been deaths, but just like SARS, the children seem to get a milder form of it and don't uh, tend to suffer fatalities like adults do. So I'm, I'm not as concerned there, but I'm, I'm just preparing. Um, and I, I implore other people to prepare uh, while you have, well, you have, we have probably, you know, four to eight weeks from today, February 20th to get supplies, you know, get food, get canned foods, get non-perishable food, get if I'm by, I bought a freezer and I'm putting frozen food in it. So I'll have some fresh food. I have seeds to grow sprouts and I'm going to plant more of a garden. I'm preparing in the event that I don't want to leave my house. If I have a local outbreak, which I'm sure that we do, there's a thousand people being watched right now in Los Angeles. They have a nurse assigned to them that are being watched that traveled in the last few months from China that are here in Los Angeles. So that's not good enough for me that they're, they're being watched. You know, there's uh, and, and what if at some point there's a public outcry and the government based on public pressure puts people or cities, neighborhoods in quarantine that they can't leave their house in China right now. What's happening is that uh, people are allowed the, the, that there's 150 million people on government mandated quarantine. They cannot leave their house. One person can leave the house every three days from a household. to get food or supplies or what have you. But the people are leaving their house and they're right now, there's some areas, there's no place to buy food. The grocery stores are closing or they don't have any food. And the people, and only delivery services are operating, but the people that are paying the most money get the preference. They get in the queue first to get food. So it's like people were not prepared for this. They never thought in a million years. We have a warning right now. Yeah. To, we can get prepared now. And so I, I just, my, I really can't stress this enough. You need to get prepared for this because the gov- we cannot control these pathogens. Mm-hmm. We can't. We cannot. Even with the lockdown, it's still passing because from family to family member, they're saying that the, the virus is, uh, there's one research study that shows that it's, it can come through uh, toilets. It can be spread from the feces into the air by t- flushing toilets. So you don't want to use public bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be passed, you know, six feet. If someone sneezes uh, six feet away, you can get it if a droplet gets on in your eye or what have you. Um, so it's just a very, very, uh, it's a very, you know, contagious virus. And it's, uh, it's, and people are asymptomatic. They don't know they're sick. They're going to work. I mean, it's just the writings on the wall mm-hmm. with this. So I, I just beg people to prepare and uh, just prepare for the worst, hope for the best. And if, and if you yeah. stocked up on three months worth of food, at least you can eat that over the next couple of years. If, if nothing happens, if you know, yeah, you have lost little. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, like you said in your interview or your uh, webinar the other day, 
it's better to be safe than sorry. You know, it's better to be prepared. You, at least you, have, uh, you, you can have peace of mind. You can sleep at night thinking, if something happened, at least I can eat. <laughs> exactly. I can have toilet paper. We talked about toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, I have never missed a meal, and I don't plan to in the future. I just right. don't. Yeah, yeah if, um, if we're going to fast, it's going to be chosen. <laughs> yeah, chosen. Yeah, or not. <laughs> yeah. So what are some other things that are on your preparedness checklist that you'd like to share with the audience here? Yes. So one thing about face masks is uh, something that people are concerned about and seeking out to purchase. And uh, the issue, and I bought some um, early, I bought full face masks and I bought like the, the mask on your face, the N95 masks. Um, but the, unfortunately, I bought those before I spoke to this viral researcher that worked at a VSL4 security lab, which is the highest security that's are working with the most deadly pathogens. And uh, she said that even people in hazmat suits get these viruses. And that was, that was so if you think a face mask is going to protect you, I mean, it might to a degree, but um, it might, if you're sick, it, it, they are shown in research to prevent uh, a sick person from spreading illness to other people. So it's good if you, you don't, maybe you don't know if you're sick or not. Wearing one will help protect other people. Um, but, and this is also proven when, so there, right now there are 621 people that have the coronavirus on the ship in Japan. And that, that was docked in Japan and just waiting there like a little Petri dish. And it was, mm -hmm. the coronavirus was spreading between uh, the passengers and the crew. And two people in full hazmat suits that went in to help escort six, six people to local hospitals that were diagnosed or to get diagnosed with coronavirus have come down with coronavirus. And they were wearing full hazmat suits. This is in the New York Times. Um, so the, the masks are helpful to a degree, but they're better than nothing. I'm going to wear one. Um, you know, I, I'm going to reach a, I'm kind of reached at the, the point where I'm not leaving my house mm -hmm. already. Um, I don't want to go anywhere where there's crowds. I'm kind of trying to decide when I'm going to start keeping my daughter home from school mm -hmm. when that, that right time comes and, uh, and I'm going to stay at home. Um, yeah. and, and try not to be in a situation where I need to have a mask or wear gloves or goggles. Because even with a mask, the, the virus can get, a droplet can get in your eyes. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the mask, I just don't want it to give people a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and one thing that you had mentioned too was that intravenous vitamin C, if someone did yes. get it, that's a very good, or, or a certain type, there's a certain type of vitamin C that you recommend that's a little bit more powerful than a food-based one. Yeah, so, um, you know, right now, start doing IV vitamin C. If you can go afford to do it, they're about $150 a session. I've done a bunch of them. They're amazing at clearing the terrain, get, getting rid of infections that you may currently have. Most people have some infections. Um, getting rid of those things so that your immune system can be more ready to fight an actual threat, mm -hmm. you know, in the future. And so IV vitamin C is great. I also like liposomal vitamin C because you food-based vitamin C is fabulous. We love it. Um, I like amla berry or amalaki berry. Like here's one, this banyan. I talked about this last night, so I have all this stuff right here. Right here. 
This is a Banyan Organics Amalaki powder, highest vitamin C in nature, uh, this fruit. And I put that in smoothies. But, you know, you can't get a ton of vitamin C in you with just food-based vitamin C. Mm -hmm. And so the, the step up from that is also adding liposomal vitamin C. I like this Dr. Mercola liposomal vitamin C because this is in capsules, so it's really easy to take and transport. And some of the, the liquid liposomal C's don't taste so great. So this is fantastic. And it doesn't have to be refrigerated. And he works six years to develop this. Wow. It, it took a long time to figure it out. Um, so I take that. It's really high potency. That'll get into your cells more. And then the next level up from that is doing an IV vitamin C because you a lot of times people have absorption issues. They can't get enough of a nutrient in them or they can't absorb it for whatever reason. They don't have good gut bacteria or leaky gut. So doing an IV bypasses any digestive issues and you can get a lot in you mm -hmm. to kill pathogens. So I'm doing that right now to prepare as well. Mm -hmm. So in, I'm about the food-based vitamins most of the time too. And um, but one thing that stuck with me was that when people have these infections, they, they need a lot. And so that's why you're using these other sources that might not necessarily be food as well, right? Yeah. And I wouldn't normally be doing as much vitamin C as I am now, but it, what you do normally uh, is not always what you do when you're faced with this type of viral threat, you know, it's just, or when you have a certain health condition, it's just, there's different, different strategies for different goals, you know, supplement wise. So uh, for me, I would normally take not take this much vitamin C because it can, you know there can be negative effects also uh, with anything you do or mega dosing a nutrient. But right now, that all bets are off. It's time to take vitamin C as much as you can to bowel tolerance and then back off a little bit. You want to saturate your body with a vitamin C right now. It's the most powerful thing you can do. Also, uh, silver. And there's more tips in my coronavirus preparedness checklist. There's a whole list of things. The next number, the number one thing you want to do is silver. This okay. sovereign silver, it's a super, super small 0.8 micron or nanometer, tiny, tiny, tiny. So it doesn't kill your good gut bugs because mm -hmm. those have a few membranes. So this can't penetrate that. And so this is, um, you know, amazing at killing pathogens. This, is, this does kill SARS which is an RNA coronavirus, different type of coronavirus, but this is shown to kill SARS. So more than likely uh, can kill this bug as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, not, and, and also clear the terrain. Right. Well. <laughs> I love how you say clear the terrain. I was like, oh, yeah. this is another reason why I love her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're making our, our spray here with, it has um, the silver and then yes. my husband put some oregano oil and some on guard oil in there and, Perfect. Spraying everything around and putting it in our nose and our mouth. Yes. And every time we have to go outside, we spray everything and he's on top of it with me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you can nebulize it too. You can, yeah, there's the things nebulizer. you can buy on Amazon. You can buy a handheld nebulizer or they call it cold steam. And you can put like a teaspoon of the silver in there and breathing in and it'll kill any kind of mm -hmm. virus or mold or anything that's made its way into your sinuses and your lungs if you do have to go outside, you're worried the person next to you was sick or whatever, um, you can clear all that out before it has a chance to replicate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that. So all you guys that are listening, I highly suggest you probably go through this again and take some notes. And I know there's a lot that we mentioned. 
I'm going to have links to um, Wendy Myers, her video at, on YouTube, as well as her article. And then you can download her coronavirus preparedness checklist. And I highly suggest that so that you can make sure if, you know, if we, you know, God forbid, we don't want this to happen, but if something happened where we either are quarantined or we just want to self quarantine because we're nervous about what's going on outside, then we have food, we have toilet paper, we have herbs that we need, we have vitamin C or whatever it is that just in case maybe we, we can't, we get a virus or even some type of other illness. So it's better to be safe than sorry. And I don't think Wendy Myers likes to pump fear like, like myself, I don't like to pump fear, but it's, it's better to just be prepared. So um, again, I highly suggest that you guys check out the links that I'm going to um, add to this podcast. So Wendy Myers, do you have anything else that you wanted to say? Yeah, so I, I just want to say that, you know, I'm glad you brought up fear because I'm not trying to be fear mongering or scare people. It's just that, you know, there's not a lot that you can do uh, about this. It, you know, it's more than likely coming. There's nothing you can do about it. The only thing that you can do is prepare, start doing it today. Just when you go to the grocery store, try to just get more food than you normally would try to get a lot of non-perishable stuff, just prepare as best you can and go through your house and buy a few months supply of, of everything that you think you might need. And even your medications, I'm, I'm, I recommend getting like six months of your medications just in case as well. And, um, and so you don't have to be fearful, just be prepared and, um, and pray, meditate, um, just, uh, you know, fear creates toxins in your body that are counterproductive. And I was definitely in a fear state when I first started researching this and learning more and more and more. But I've just kind of let that go. And I'm just uh, going to do the best thing I can to, to prepare and, you know, hope for the best. There's not really much more that, that one can do. And if you're relatively healthy, if you're a healthy person, it's, it's going to be just like the flu, you'll, uh, you'll get over it and, and move on and have immunity to it. So uh, I just, I, I don't think, like the, the people that I talked to, Dr. Judy uh, Mikovits, who's a, a, a viral researcher that's researched viruses for 22 years or 21 years, said there's nothing to worry about from the coronavirus. This is coming from a, a virus expert. Mm. And she said there's nothing to worry about it uh, from it whatsoever. And so that gave me a lot of peace of mind. Um, but I'm, I'm just still, but still people... There are vulnerable populations out there that you just you just have to get prepared, and there's nothing more you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Wendy. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and educating the audience about this and, and warning people and um, sharing your expertise. Thank you again. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for having me. If you guys want to learn more about detox, you can go on my site, mm-hmm. MyersDetox.com. I have hundreds of articles, hundreds of podcasts, and lots of free info on uh, heavy metal detox. Yeah, I highly suggest that too. Uh, the heavy metal stuff, we're going to have to talk about that another day because it's it's just such an awesome talk, topic of being able yes. to get specific with your heavy metal detoxing. Yes, for sure. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Wendy. Have a nice day. Thank you. My Super Immunity Boost Juice Guide is now available on thewellnesstrinity.com. You'll learn how to grow broccoli microgreens, the ingredients I put in my green juice, and super nutritious supplements you can add to enhance your immune system. Again, go to thewellnesstrain.com and you'll receive your free Super Immunity Boost Juice Guide. Thank you for listening to the Wellness Trinity Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more wellness tips to help you achieve optimal health.
Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.